Good morning. Welcome to First Church this morning, and we welcome all those listening on the radio this morning. We have a number of announcements this morning. If I find my paper, there we are. Uh, roses on the altar this morning are in honor of two couples celebrating wedding anniversaries, uh, Bruce and Ellen Eschmeyer celebrating 50 years on September 13th. Uh, Robert and Mary Schreyer are going to be celebrating 62 years on September 15th. And uh, I heard that today is uh, Eric and Jane Hirschfeld's 40th wedding anniversary, so Eric, you're going to have to buy your own flowers. <laughs> the the uh, couple other announcements, uh, the consistory is called a, for a congregational meeting today after the service at 9 o'clock. The uh, purpose is to approve the cost of asbestos removal from the church basement and to discuss and answer questions about the uh, furnace project, which will be coming up uh, after that. Um, there's a barrel in the heritage room. Uh, Agape is starting the one warm coat drive. Uh, brought the barrel in this week. Uh, sure, it doesn't seem like it's time for to get the warm coats out, but if you have any good uh, coats in good condition, put them in the barrel. We'll make sure we get them over there to Agape. Uh, next Sunday, September 16th, the first day of Sunday school. So you have to remember to bring your children to the new class that they're in. And I'll uh, have Pastor Joel come up to talk about uh, the fall kickoff party. All right, thanks, Dave. Uh, so after our service of worship this morning and our congregational meeting, we invite you all to, to come back to church uh, for our fall kickoff party. Um, want to clarify a couple things as you can probably have as you can probably guess we're not going to be doing it outside in the parking lot today as we we're planning on doing uh, but we are still going to be able to have our, our fun and have our picnic so uh, we do invite you to come back at 1130 uh, we're going to have the picnic from 1130 to 130 um, food and the meal and all of that stuff will take place downstairs in the social room um, but then, and then all of the games and activities for the kids and well, adults can play nine square too. All of that stuff is going to be happening next door in the ministry center. So we're going to kind of have to split it up, but you're welcome to, uh, we invite you to come back and be a part of that still this afternoon, despite the, uh, wet weather we're having outside. So, uh, that's 1130, uh, to 130 today. Um, and as we've said, uh, weeks past, if you're able to bring a dish to share as part of that meal, um, that would be great. Uh, and we will, uh, share a meal together and have some fun to start our Sunday school year off together on a high note. Thank you. As we continue on with worship this morning, I'd ask you to stand for the call to worship, which is taken from Psalms 119. Verses 169 to 176. May my cry become, come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. May my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. May your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. We will continue to stand and sing our opening hymn number 382, Be Thou My Vision.
Now, as we ask the children to come forward for children's chat, I would ask everyone to greet your neighbor. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Good. You guys want to come closer or maybe stand up so you can see? Does anybody know what a disciple is? What's a disciple? I heard somebody say, yeah. Oh, don't lean on it. What's a disciple? Some of my older boys, do you guys know what a disciple is? What's a disciple? When you follow Jesus. Yeah, when you follow Jesus. What else does a disciple do? They not only follow Jesus, they... Share Jesus. Sorry, that's not maybe a good dis- demonstration of share. So, but it's, it's you, you tell somebody of Jesus. You share them with your mouth. You share them with your actions. So you follow Jesus. You share Jesus. I've got a little, does anybody know what these are? Dominoes. How many played dominoes before? All right, now I need you girls to not touch my table because otherwise it might not work. All right, so I'm going to start out with you. So this is you. You guys are going to be the beginning of a disciple. And you guys go to Sunday school, right? Do you come to church? You all are here, right? Do you guys sing in the pews, go to VBS? Those are all different things that help build Jesus up in you. Well, what do you have when Jesus is in your heart? What do you do with him then? You have to tell somebody about it. So when you tell somebody about it, what happens in their hearts? What happens in their lives? They follow Jesus, too. Good job. And then when they get excited about Jesus, because Jesus is in their hearts, they tell somebody else, and the, the domino stack keeps going. And it keeps going. And you know what? You can share with your friends at school. You can share with a complete stranger you have never met. But maybe God gives you that opportunity to share Jesus with them. You can share with your family members and talk about Jesus in your homes. And the domino keeps going, keeps going. Because when you do you just tell one person about Jesus and you're done? How many people do you tell about Jesus? Thousands. That's what the disciples did. Jesus called the disciples and said, Hey, put down your fishing poles. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of not fish, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then you guys, when you share Jesus and you share me with others, then you guys now become my precious disciples. And that's what we want, right? We want to have this effect that everybody gets to see Jesus and everybody gets to share Jesus. And it just happens like that, right? So let's go ahead and pray, okay? Dear Jesus, prepare our hearts to share the word and love that you give us with our friends, with our classmates, and even with a stranger that we meet. Give us courage and give us strength to tell others about your name. Amen. Killed this week in Logar Province in Afghanistan, Command Sergeant Timothy A. Bulliard, 42, from Thornton, West Virginia. Also lost in Bagram Province in Afghanistan, Staff Sergeant DeBangio S. San Agustin, 32, from National City, California. Also lost in our service in Swainsboro, Georgia, 
Staff Sergeant Alexander Balistarevich, 31, from North Carolina, and Kadena Air Base, Japan, Technical Sergeant Don Sardin, 31, from Chicago, Illinois. Thanks, Jay. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we are so grateful for this time to gather and to worship you. Uh, we pray now that as we as we focus in on, on what you have in store for us this day, uh, we pray for your guidance and your direction. Uh, Lord, we also ask that you would be with us and guide us as we have our congregational meeting after our service today. Uh, Lord, we ask for your guidance in those areas, uh, the, the matters that will be discussed, and we ask for your uh, provision in all that we do. Uh, Lord, we ask these things not just for special occasions like this, but we ask, Lord, in all things as a church and, and within our families and within our own hearts that you would be our source of, of strength, our source of guidance, and our provision in all matters and everything that we do. Uh, Lord, we don't want to uh, run ahead of you and take matters into our own hands, but we ask that you would give us the ability to, to pause and to, to pray and to seek your, seek your will in each and every situation that we face. And Lord, when we do face challenges and we do face um, uh, big decisions, uh, like, like what we're going to be doing this afternoon, later this morning with our congregational meeting, we pray in all things that you would give us wisdom and discernment and that in everything we decide would be for your glory and for your kingdom. Uh, we pray that that would be the case in, in all decisions, big and small, and that you would uh, guide us in everything we do. Uh, we also pray for those that are in need this morning. We pray for those who are in need of healing from our community and from our church. We pray that your hand will be upon them. We pray that whatever uh, treatments or surgeries or, uh, or, or whatever steps need to be taken, Lord, that they would be effective and, and that you would uh, use those methods to heal the people that are in need, Lord. And when those, when those things seem to be inadequate, Lord, we also ask for your special care and your special healing in those cases as well. Uh, Lord, we ask for your, your provision and, and for those that are in need, Lord. We know that there are needs not necessarily represented in our bulletin each and every week, but you know exactly what they are. Um, you hear our cries. Your word says that you hear us as we cry out to you. And so, so even in the, in the silence of our hearts and the burdens that we carry that maybe no one else knows about, we ask that you would meet us there as well and provide and guide us in those situations too. Lord, we, we pray all these things uh, in the power and the authority of your Son's name through the power of the, your Holy Spirit, which is here and present within us. We pray all these things in the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite those who are helping with offering to come forward at this time. Our offering this morning goes to support our junior and senior high youth ministries here at the church. And we're very blessed to have the choir back in session with us this morning. Welcome back.
for the scripture reading this morning. The reading comes from Mark, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now we remain standing and sing hymn number 272, Thy Word. be seated. Father, we are so grateful to to be here this morning, and I pray now as we turn our attention to your word uh, that is a a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, we pray that you would guide us and direct us in everything we, we do this morning. I pray that you would give me words to speak and open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. It's in Christ we pray. Amen couple things I want to just, just make a comment about real quick. I could tell it's a little cooler in the sanctuary today because there's a lot more people up in the balcony than we've had the, the rest of the summer. So I'm going to have to remember to look up at you all every once in a while as I'm preaching this morning. Um, and it's nice. Uh, I don't know if some of you may have noticed the pulpit is a little bit higher this morning. I've had a lot of you in my two years uh, here at the church say, man, you're a little tall for that pulpit, aren't you? Um, and we had uh, Bob did a wonderful job. He kind of extended it up a little bit for me uh, so that I don't have to quite hunch over quite so much to look at my notes. Uh, so I'm very appreciative of that. And hopefully, you know, it's not too tall for our, our scripture readers or anything, anybody else that's coming up here. But uh, thank you, Bob, for taking the time to do that for me. Um, I appreciate that a lot. So uh, this morning we're starting a new sermon series. Uh, if you were you know, with us throughout the summer, uh, we were talking about the life of Paul and his journey from being a person who persecuted the early church, um, was actually seeking out those followers of Jesus in order to to arrest them and, and try to try to quench the flame that was that was that early church was was spreading and and he became the one who God used to spread the gospel throughout the Roman Empire and and uh, and and planted churches in various areas and everything and so 
what I would like to do over the next few weeks is continue kind of that in a similar theme, uh, but talk about what it means to be a disciple, uh, what it means to truly follow Christ and truly uh, know him as our Lord and Savior uh, and, and live that out each and every day. I want to begin by asking a couple of questions. And I was trying to debate how I wanted to approach this. At first, I was thinking I was going to ask you all to raise your hands. But I, I, I do know in my time, you are not a hand-raising church in more ways than one. Uh, so I'm going to just ask you to reflect on these questions and think about how you would answer them for yourself. And I want you to be honest uh, in, in both of these areas. And so the first question is, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? And my second question for you is, are you a disciple? And now there's some of you here today that may have answered those questions differently. You may have said, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've prayed the prayer. I've, I've given my life to Christ. Of course I'm a Christian. That's, I mean, I'm speaking in a church. That's probably a very normal experience here. But some of you who answered, yes, I am a Christian, may not have answered, yes, I am a disciple. And what I want to take some time this morning is to delve into the reason why we sometimes don't answer those questions the same way. Because I believe we have a very, we have a sense of like a, a false dichotomy. We, we, we were easy, very quick to say that we're Christians, but some of us sometimes hesitate to claim that we're disciples. But if we were to look at, at the example of Jesus and his disciples in the New Testament, if we were to look at Scripture as a whole, I would argue that it's very hard to make the distinction between being a Christian and being a disciple. In fact, they should be and are one and the same. To be a Christian is also to be a disciple. In his book, Transforming Discipleship, uh, Greg Ogden uh, told the story about a woman who approached the pastor after a church service one time when probably preaching on a very similar theme that I'm going to be preaching on today and over the coming weeks. Um, she responded to his, his call to discipleship with these words. She says, I just want to be a Christian. I don't want to be a disciple. I like my life the way it is. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I'll be with him when I die. Why do I have to be a disciple? And those words ring true, don't they? In a lot of our hearts and minds, you know, we, we wonder why, why, what's, what's the big deal about discipleship? Why can't I just be a Christian? Why can't I just, just make Jesus Lord of my life and call it good at that? You see, there's some assumptions that, that often lead to this way of thinking. The first is that being a Christian and being a disciple are two different things. And I've already pointed out this morning that I, I believe they are one and the same. Being a Christian and being a disciple um, are the same thing. The second is that we often reduce the gospel simply to forgiveness of sins and getting into heaven, as if that's the entire extent of what it means to follow Jesus. The third thing is that we often think that being a disciple would disrupt our way of life. That being a disciple would mean that we're going to have to give up the things that we enjoy or give up life as we know it and, and lead some life that we don't want any part of. And fourth is, to kind of wrap, wrap up these assumptions, we see that discipleship then, in this point of view, is simply an add-on to faith. It's an optional part of following Jesus. That, that being a Christian is one thing, but being a disciple is something else entirely. And that's only reserved for, for people who have the time for it. For people who have decided to make that extra commitment that isn't necessary for, you know, quote-unquote ordinary Christians. But I don't believe the gospel calls us just simply to say a prayer. You know, faith is not about just going to church on Sunday mornings. Knowing Christ is more than being baptized as a child or graduating from confirmation. Those are all good and wonderful things and things that we should celebrate and things that should be a part of what it means to follow Jesus. But if that's where we stop, if that's where we draw the line and say, that's enough for me, we're missing the point. Being a disciple is, is continuing to journey with Christ, continuing to live our lives uh, with him as Lord and, and, and following him in everything we do. And that never ends. We never get to a point where we say that's enough. We should strive to continue to know him more and follow him in everything we do. And the New Testament kind of gives a, a little bit of a model of, of the maybe I would say the steps 
towards uh, following Jesus and becoming his disciple. And we see this modeled with how Jesus did his ministry. First, there were people who were kind of strangers to the faith. These were the kind of the crowds, the people that would gather. They'd hear about this Jesus and, and their interests were, were piqued. And so they would go and, and hear him teach. They didn't really know who he was. They didn't really know what he had to say, but they had heard good things. And so they were, they were kind of strangers and they, they, they were introduced to him for the first time. But then there was yet another level, and, and they were more of the admirers. There were people who had heard Jesus speaking had, and began to, to kind of follow him around. You see, reading the New Testament, that, that the twelve disciples weren't the only ones that were gathered around Jesus. There were large crowds, sometimes that numbered up in the thousands, who would gather to hear him speak day in and day out. In fact, Jesus oftentimes uh, couldn't, find, couldn't escape those crowds. He, was, he would try to go off and, and have some alone time and time of prayer, and the crowds would follow him wherever he went, from village to village. And so there are people who were admirers. They had not necessarily taken the step to uh, become disciples, but they, they had heard what Jesus had to say, and they liked it and were interested in learning more. And then that third step, there are people who became followers of Christ. And this would include his disciples. This would include that, that crowd of 70 who Jesus sent out in order to, to minister in the surrounding villages. People who had decided to leave behind their lives and follow Jesus and everything that they did. See, the problem that we do, the problem that we create for ourselves is we throw another step in, in between admirer and follower. We, call, we, we, we use Jesus. We, we become users of, of him. We, we desire the benefits of being a follower without the commitment. And so we create this other category. We move beyond simply admiring him, but we're not quite ready to follow. We're not quite ready to be a disciple, and so we become a user. We, we go through the motions. We do all the things that, that, uh, that are expected of us, quote-unquote, as Christians, uh, in order to receive the benefits of following Christ. But we're not quite ready to make that full commitment and follow him. And I think that's a trap a lot of us fall into. We, we desire the gift rather than the giver. We desire the blessings without, without taking up our cross and following him. And so what I hope to do today and in the weeks to come is encourage us to not just be admirers, not just be users, but to be followers, to be disciples who, who not only... Uh, not only know Christ and admire him, but decide to follow him with everything we are. And so the good news, the gospel, is about more than just saying a prayer once and and now having a get-out-of-jail-free card. The good news is that Jesus saves us from our sins and he calls us into a relationship with him. The good news is that God has granted us eternal life, yes, but that eternal life begins now. You know, we often, read, as, as I mentioned before, we reduce the gospel to the sense of God has forgiven me and one day I'll go to heaven to be with him. And we think of eternal life only in the sense of it's a destination that one day we'll reach. But we see over and over again in scripture that, that eternal life is something we can have and experience now. And it's, and it's about knowing Christ and having that relationship with him and having the Holy Spirit and dwell in you as he promises. And I want to kind of rapid fire a couple of verses that, that highlight this for us so that we can, we can see this clearly from, from the New Testament. First is John 10.10. 10. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Galatians 2.20, Paul again writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In this life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And probably the most famous of these passages, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is a new Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. 
You know, I could probably continue to find verses in the New Testament that point to this reality that knowing Christ and being his disciple is not about just what we will get and what we will receive one day, but it's about how we live our lives now. That new life that Christ promises to us begins the moment we put our trust in him. It begins the moment we decide to make him Lord and Savior of our lives, and it continues throughout the course of this life. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. That doesn't mean we've got it all figured out. But it's about pursuing the Lord with everything we have. And it's about allowing him to to breathe new life in us. And it's about our lives being different as a result of that. Our mission statement as a church, which is printed in our bulletin week in and week out, says that we are a community of faith who engage biblical truth to provide an environment where people mature as disciples of Christ. In other words, our goal as a church is to prepare you to be disciples, not just strangers to the faith, not admirers to the faith, but followers, disciples. And it's, we do so not just while you're here within the walls of our church one day a week or one hour a week, one day a week, but also when you're outside of the walls of this church. As you go from this place, we ask, we, we hope that you are equipped to be disciples in everything you do. This idea of, of the, being, the church both being gathered and the church being scattered. What we do on Sunday mornings, what we're doing right now is, is as the body of Christ, we are gathered here in one place. And we do so to worship the Lord together. We do it to be encouraged and built up and edified in the faith. But we do it also so that when we go from this place, we can continue to be the church. And we can be the church scattered across our community, at our workplaces, with our families, in our neighborhoods, wherever that may be. And for those listening on the radio, that is even maybe more true, you know, with the, with the, the reach that we have those that, with those that listen in weekly. We want, we want to go from this place and make an impact for Christ's kingdom each and every day, wherever we find ourselves. And so you don't cease to be the church when the service is over. You continue to be the church outside the walls. And what we do here should prepare you for that reality. And so there's a few things I want to, to emphasize this morning for us about what that means, what it means to be an everyday disciple, not just a Sunday morning only kind of Christian. And the first thing is that, that being this kind of disciple, being this kind of follower is both relational and intentional. It's an invitation to follow Jesus and to know him. Think of the, this call that Jesus gave to his first disciples that you heard read this morning. He called out to them and invited them to follow him. This is an invitation into relationship. It was an invitation to know Jesus, not just as teacher or not just as seminary professor, or not just as a Sunday school leader, but to know him in a real and, and, and intimate way to know him as a friend, to spend time with him. You see these disciples, they, they gave up everything. They dropped their, they literally dropped their nets to go and follow Jesus. And so they spent their entire lives with him. They ate with him. They ministered with him. They heard him teach both in more maybe formal settings, but also in those, in those everyday conversations as they're walking down the road. They were invited to live life together. And not just when it was convenient either. The convenient thing to do for them was to stay with their boats. The convenient thing to do for them was to just keep and keep the status quo. But instead they gave up everything to follow him. Again, in his Transforming Discipleship book, Ogden writes that, that the invitation to discipleship includes three different things. To join with Jesus' life, to join with Jesus in his community, and to join with Jesus in his mission. We're invited to know him on a personal level and have that relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. We're also invited to join in his community, which is his church, both gathered and scattered, the people of God, where we can encourage one another and build one another up. And we're also called to join in Jesus and his mission, to go from this place and, and live out our faith every day and, and have an impact in our, for the kingdom in this world. And so it's relational, but it's also very intentional. Discipleship, in this sense, doesn't happen by accident. And it doesn't just happen when we want it to. Faith is not just a passing fad or something that's convenient. It's meant to be a daily, even moment-to-moment commitment to follow Jesus. 
And so it's not about just going through the motions and, you know, coming to church Sunday morning, going to, you know, maybe Bible study or Sunday school or, or things like that. Those are all good, but, but it's about more than that. It's about that daily commitment of being intentional to follow Jesus in everything we do. In Luke chapter 14, verses 27 through 33, Jesus encourages anyone who wants us to be a disciple to, to, to consider the cost of what that means. He says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have any money, if have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down to consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. You know, this, this call of Jesus is not meant to completely um, discourage us from following him. But he wants us to seriously consider what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow him. And it means a commitment to following Jesus, whatever that may mean for us and our families, with our work, with our lives. And we need to be serious about that commitment. The last thing we need to do is simply just go through the motions and, and only give Jesus lip service about him being Lord and Savior. If he truly is Lord, then it will impact everything we do. And we'll want to take that into consideration. And Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 encourages us uh, to make that commitment, to live a life worthy of the calling. And, as he, and this encouragement is very intentional. And it's, again, it's Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 4. He says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Think about how, how, how intentional this, this commitment is. You know, Paul is saying, you've, you've, you've heard about the faith. He spent the first three chapters of Ephesians describing what it means to know the Lord, describing what... You know, kind of, you know, the theology, in a sense, behind what it means to know Christ. And then Ephesians 4, he makes his turn. He says, therefore, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. In other words, make the commitment. Be intentional about it. Don't just let what you've heard and what you've seen, um, don't just file it away for later, but do something about it. And that's the commitment he's, he's asking us all to make, to be intentional, to go out of our way, to, to rearrange our lives in order to follow him. So, so being an everyday disciple is, is relational, intentional, but it's also holistic. And what I, but I mean, what I mean by that is it encompasses every aspect of our lives. Uh, we're not just meant to, to follow Jesus when it's convenient for us or follow Jesus when, when, on Sunday mornings, but we're meant to follow Jesus in everything we do, including how we live out, how we, how we relate to our families how we live in our communities and neighborhoods and how we, how we act at work. All of that is, should be impacted by our relationship with Christ. Our entire lives should be defined by our decision to follow him. That's what uh, he, he did with these people, with the early disciples in Mark chapter 1. He says, you will no longer be fishermen, but or, you will, you will, he says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. He redefined and reoriented how they understood themselves. Before Jesus, they were just simple fishermen. But once they made the decision to follow Christ, once they made the decision to leave behind those things and follow him, they became fishers of people instead. Their entire lives were reoriented around that decision. So for you today, is, is following Jesus your primary identity? Is being a Christian, being a disciple, your primary purpose in life? Or is it simply just an add-on? when it's convenient. I love passages like Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 21. There Moses, after reiterating the law and what it means for God's people to be God's people, he says, fix these words of mine on your hearts 
and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, taking, talking about them while you sit at home and while you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and in the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. In other words, he's saying don't just compartmentalize your faith. Don't just allow it to be something you go to when the need arises, but make it an integral part of how you live, how you act. Talk about it with your family and talk about it in your homes. Incorporate it into your day-to-day, every-day, every-moment life. That's what God is calling us to do as well. He's calling us to not just keep Him in a box, keep our faith in a box, but allow it to impact everything we do, every relationship we have. Every commitment we make should be seen through the, through the lens of, of what it means to follow Christ. See, because faith should inform everything we do. It's, it's about having a worldview that sees our faith as our primary purpose. Think about the areas of life that you're involved in, whether it is work or family or school. Would people that you interact with there know that you're a disciple? Would people that interact with you while you're at work know that you've made it your primary goal in life to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior? You shouldn't be one person while in church and someone else while you're at work or at home or with your friends. There's a word that the Bible uses to describe that sort of attitude, and that's hypocrisy. And that word has a very obviously kind of negative sense today, but in in Jesus' time, that word was simply meant to refer to actors in a play, people who would put on a mask and pretend to be someone that they weren't. And if if you think about that word in that way, we all fall into hypocrisy at times, don't we? I'm not shining the spotlight on you. I'm, I'm right there front and center too. We tend to put on a mask, whether it's to, to, to protect ourselves, whether it's to, because we're afraid of what uh, being our real selves or authentic selves may, may do in a certain situation. And so we, we do it to protect or hide ourselves. We do it to, to not put ourselves out there. But that's not what Christ wants from us. See, Jesus reserved his harshest words for the religious people who pretended to be something they weren't. And so if Jesus is Lord, he is Lord of our entire lives. And so we need to take off those masks. We need to quit pretending to be something we're not and follow Jesus with everything we have. We need to be consistent in our lives. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul urges us, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, we've we've made this distinction between the sacred and the secular. The whole Jesus, following Jesus stuff is for one area of my life, uh, but it doesn't really impact the, the more secular part of my life, which may include my work or my family or those sorts of things. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Not just when it's convenient, not just when it's easy, but all of it in the name of Jesus. That's, that's the standard that he's calling us to. And so it's meant to be our faith, our discipleship is meant to be holistic, but it's also meant to be integrated. Discipleship integrates every aspect of our lives, not, not just what we do, but also who we are. I mentioned in the last couple of weeks in, in one of my sermons, um, the youth group theme last year was about heads, hands, and heart, right? About, about following Jesus with everything we are. That's what it means to be integrated, to, to include every aspect of our being in following Jesus. When we throw the word discipleship around, we often uh, reduce it to, to two different ends of the spectrum. We often think of discipleship simply as information gathering, right? Memorize scripture, um, study this book, um, answer these questions, and if you do it all right, then you're a disciple. It's about, re- it's about gaining and retaining information. But we also think of discipleship in terms of behavior modification, creating a list of do's and don'ts. You, you get your right category over here, and you check off the right box in the list, and therefore you must be a disciple. And I want to, talk to I want to encourage us today to think about discipleship more holistically. 
Discipleship is not primarily about what you do, although those things are good. I think discipleship is primarily about who you are, and specifically who you are in Christ. Memorizing scripture, behaving in a way that honors God and, and is in obedience to his word is, are all good things. But if, if that's the extent of it, if it's just a matter of doing the right things at the right times, then we're missing out on the bigger picture. What you do is important, but it should flow out of who you are in Christ. If all you do, if all we do when we talk about discipleship is, is talking about best practices, we're, we're falling short. Now, over the next few weeks, next five weeks, as I continue this series, I am going to talk a lot about the things we do as disciples. I will talk about the importance of prayer and Bible reading and gathering with other other Christians and, and a fellowship and accountability. And all of those things are good, and they will help you to become a better disciple. But those comments will always be wrapped up in the larger conversation of how to be a disciple. In other words, we're going to talk about the kind of characteristics that you find in disciples. See, the goal of the Christian life is not simply to, to do things better or to pass a theology test when we get to the pearly gates. The goal of the Christian life is maturity, becoming more like Jesus in everything we do and, and, and who primarily who we are. It's about seeing the character of Christ growing and developing in us. You know, I think, I think a, a good way to understand this is thinking about how we, how we treat and, and deal with our children. Um, Allie and I have two wonderful kids that don't always behave, right? Can any of you else, you know, relate to that? Um, we have a four-year-old, Josephine is four, going on 14, and uh, Miles is seven months. And so, like, there, is a, there are times that, that they don't do what they're supposed to do, um, there's times we don't do what we're supposed to do, you know, but, uh, but when we're talking about with kids, right, um, the easy thing to do with children is, is what? Do it because I said so, right? And that works some of the time. Uh, but, but eventually, that's not gonna, that may work with Josephine as a four-year-old, but that's not necessarily going to work with your teenage son or daughter, right? Because the child will grow and develop over time. And when they're little, just telling them what to do and what not to do and expecting certain behaviors will work most of the time. Because at that age, they're not, uh, they're not developed enough, they're not mature enough to really understand the reasoning or purposes behind the things that we ask of them. And so it's enough for them to just hear, do this, don't do that. But as they grow and as they develop and as they mature, that sort of parenting and that sort of... Um, approach isn't going to work because they've moved beyond those sort of concrete ideas and, and they want to know the why behind it. They want to know the reasoning behind why you're asking them to do these certain things and not do other things. And so your approach to that needs to change over time. And I would argue we, we go through the same kind of development as disciples of Christ. In those early moments of following Jesus, it's easy to reduce what it means to be a disciple, the simple do this, don't do that. But as we grow and as we mature, we move beyond that sort of simplistic approach to faith and, and we begin to delve into the why behind those things. And that's what I want to be talking about uh, for the rest of, for, for the rest of our, our sermon series here, the why. Growing and developing and maturing in our faith so that the things we do and the information we gather is still important and informs us, but it's also about who we are in Christ. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, it says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish from good and evil. See, we need to develop, we need to grow, and we need to mature so that it's about who we are in Christ. And when we approach things in that way, we'll see a more holistic, integrated approach to our faith. I want to close today by encouraging us to think about what this means for us and, 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 and how, we, how this sort of conversation points us to Jesus. 
Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about um, how to be a disciple, like I said. And there's five characteristics that I want to point to. Being faithful, being authentic, being committed, being teachable, and being a servant. And the reason those things are important is because we see all five of those characteristics embodied in the person and the work of Jesus. Jesus is the one who perfectly lived these out throughout his entire life. You see, he was faithful. He completely depended on the Father and never wavered in anything he did. He was completely authentic. He had nothing to hide. And he was the perfect representation of the Father for us. He was committed. He gave his life and his death. And in his death, he did so to fulfill the will of the Father. His first priority was to accomplish the mission that God gave him. He was teachable. He was filled and led by the Holy Spirit, who is now our guide and teacher. And he was a servant. He laid down his life for us. He set the example of what it means to put others first. And he ultimately showed us that on the cross. And so we want to see those five characteristics developed in us as well. But the reality is that we're not Jesus, right? We're not going to be uh, perfect. We're not going to live these out to their fullest extent in our own lives. But as his disciples, we want to be like him in every way we can. And so he gives us his Holy Spirit. He fills us so that we can be equipped and be enabled to live these things out. See, the presence of the one who is perfectly faithful, who is perfectly authentic and committed and teachable and servant-minded, he's the one who will be able to help us do these things as well. See, it's about transformation. It's about being changed from the inside out. And I want to encourage us today, as we, as we prepare to talk about these things, as we talk about what it means to be an everyday disciple, I want us to position ourselves to be used by God. Because as we fully commit ourselves to him, as we, as we live out our faith, not just when we're here on Sunday mornings, but as we live it out each and every day, God can use us to make an impact for his kingdom in this community. I said last week that I believe the, the best days of First Church's history are ahead of us. And I believe we'll see that come to fruition. We'll see that come to life as we fully commit to him and live out our faith and live out our commitment to discipleship each and every day. And as we do that together, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we pray that as we, as we close our service today, that you would bring to mind those things, Lord, that, that often get in the way of, 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 our, of our commitment to you and our, our commitment to living out our faith every day. Bring those things to mind and help us to lay them at the foot of your cross in order to follow you in everything we do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and in singing, sing number 371, Have Thine Own Way, Lord.
Before you go today, I just want to remind you about our congregational meeting uh, immediately after the service. We're going to take about a five-minute break to give our, our sound guys an opportunity to get this service on the radio and all of those things that need to be done. Um, and don't forget also about our fall kickoff party at 1130. We hope you all come back to join us for that. Uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Really? Just-